when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited. I have an incredible guest today. His name is Tom Agan, and he is with his own consulting company, but he has created a YouTube and TikTok channel for millennials and younger people to learn how to optimize their careers. So, Tom, how the heck are you doing? Good, good. Been doing great. It's uh, we've had in the Chicago area. We've had a beautiful snowstorm earlier today. Yeah, we are truly living in a winter wonderland. You're yeah. up in Northbrook. I'm in Aurora, so you're up north. I'm out west, and right. uh, we get different weather, believe it or not, because you get you you get what comes off the lake. I get what what's left over. Exactly. You know, I was thinking a little bit. You know, thinking about what we're doing today. You know, mm-hmm. I'm bringing to the table kind of learnings and trainings, L and T, mm-hmm. and you're bringing together bacon. If we sandwich that together we'll make a blt today i love that that is awesome (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you've ever done a blt on your show before but uh i have never eaten or made a blt but this this might be the first one (laughs) so um so let's get started i want people to kind of get to know who you are and and i want to explain why you're on the show there was um a program called lunch club which is still out there it's lunch club i think it's lunchclub.com but lunch club was this thing when the pandemic hit it's like you, you're you not getting out meeting people, you're not networking, you join this and it just randomly connects you up with people. And lo and behold, we got connected up and I just had an amazing conversation with you and it was, it was you know, inspiring and had a lot of good, juicy, you know, it wasn't that crispy bacon, it was kind of the chewy bacon <laughs> where you had to chew on it a little bit. Right. And there was so much good stuff in there, I wanted to have you back on again. And so you're working, well, first and foremost, talk about who you are and what you do, Right. But then secondly, talk about what is your new project? What is this thing that you're working on? Yeah, so uh, I work in uh, consulting and advising companies uh, all over the world in a number of different areas. A lot of it is around go-to-market, which is a bit of what you and I talked about, how companies can be more effective and engaging their customers. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of work in their area, data analytics, how comp- companies need to evolve, that sort of thing. And then in addition to that, it kind of naturally brings me to coaching uh, mm-hmm. and helping people, either either my own teams or coaching clients. Mm-hmm. So you, um, when we talked, you basically, um, you take a look at data and you kind of interpolate that data, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah customer data, if you if you get closer, delve deeper into your customer, most mm-hmm. companies can, and most teams can dramatically improve their performance. It's just right. kind of getting into that and diving deeper and getting their heads and souls and spirit that you, you begin to understand what they really need. Mm-hmm. And then you can dramatically improve, you know, how you perform. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And you have a passion project and it's it's right there career hacks for you um you can go to career hacks for you and you said it's on youtube and it's on on tiktok as well yeah okay right so this is one if you're an older gentleman or lady you're going to want your kids to watch right i mean that's the audiences for 20 somethings and 30 somethings exactly exactly yeah they're very much targeted at that kind of age group that those two cohorts you know younger millennials and Mm -hmm. uh, gen z's so 
All right. I grew up in a generation. My dad got a gold watch. I, I think if my dad was alive today, he'd get an eye watch, you know. But he worked for he worked for AT&T, came out of the army. He worked for New York Telephone. Then they promoted him to, you know, training manager. And I mean, he basically spent 45 years there and, and you know, basically got a pension, got all those things. And, you know, the, the world is different. The economy is different. The workforce is different. I mean, you know, back then we didn't have computers. We didn't have remote working. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, kids coming out of college, you know, e even the, the kids coming out of college today, their parents went through a different experience. And usually we are a product of our environment, right? So, so what are the three core takeaways that these kids need to think about when it comes to trying to build a career? Right. Well, first mm -hmm. and foremost, they have to be much more proactive and uh, take a lot more ownership over their career management. So mm -hmm. going back to your dad's experience, uh, there was uh, kind of a pathway for him to advance or yep. roles. He was coached through that. He was he probably received a lot of training along the way. Oh yeah, uh, over an extended time frame. And back in those days, the interests of the employee were much more tied into the interests of the employer. So, for example, pension plans, not four hundred one k. So if you have a long term pension plan at a company, you you want that company to succeed <laughs> over right. the long term, right? So you're going to take actions based upon that, but. But as this, you know, fragmentation has occurred, as that relationship is broken down, we become much more transactional in our careers. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at these next generations coming up, you know, they, you know, some of the estimates say they'll have between seven and 10 different employers during the course right. of their career, right? So it's going to be yep. much more churn to it. And as a result, they can't lean on, they can't expect their employers and their and employers are not doing this to invest in their career you know, invest in their career development. So right. what's happening is the conversation is getting kind of muddied. You know, companies will say, oh, we're doing career development. Well, they're doing skills training, right? right? They're not really coaching people on individually. Okay, here's what you need to do. Here's your career path. It's, or if it's right. a very generic level, uh, what they're doing is trying to push short-term skills on you, which are important, uh, but they're right. not really looking at that longer term. Yeah, so the they're, result, they're teaching you how to use Salesforce. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> and that's career development, right? right. I mean, that's kind of what it's become. Uh, and again, there's value in that. But sure, the fundamentals, uh, the fundamental thing that they need to do very differently from us is they've got to own their mm -hmm. career. And the, the challenge with that is we're very, very bad at making decisions about our future. So Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Blink, I talks about, oh yeah, yeah. Do you remember the section where he talks about that you're better off asking a stranger on the street what to do than asking yes. yourself? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you have this, you know, these, these, these younger people are in a terrible position, really, because all this has put on their, on their plate, they're not getting that uh, more objective, you know, uh, feedback right. and coaching. And yet they're, you know, all of us are terrible at making those decisions about ourselves. You know, we, we right. have cognitive biases, uh, the illusion of superiority, where we all think we're above average drivers. You mm -hmm. know, we're just not good at judging ourselves, right? Right. And so it's really created a very, very difficult problem. We talked about the takeaways. What is the, you know, from the millennial standpoint, I mean, coming out of college and stuff like that, and well, I'll use millennials as a generic for Gen Z and, and everything else, uh, the people that you're talking to, but what is their perceived problem? What What is the thing that they think is going on that they don't understand? Because like you said, we do have cognitive bias. We think things are one way when in reality, it's something different. So what are they thinking in their head? What's the problem to them? Yeah, they're... 
well, there's this perception, and then there's this reality gap, right? Which right. goes back to cognitive biases. The perception most people have is that their income will continue to increase throughout their career. Mm-hmm. And the data is very clear, um, not only in the US, but in South Korea, in the UK, that for most people, their income peaks around the age of 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a very sobering thought for a lot of people. It either plateaus or even begins a slow decline. And right. that's consistent across developing uh, developed, con- developed con- economies. And so the problem is most people aren't even aware of that. At the, and they aren't thinking through the implications of that. Like mm-hmm. if my income peaks at age 40, then by the time I hit 40, I need to be like well paying down my debt. I have to be living within my means. I certainly be, shouldn't be taking on more debt, like buying a bigger home or buying right. a vacation home. Like you really need to, to do a big shift at that stage in your lifestyle and how you think about your financial plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's if you hit average, right? Average means that there's people below average whose income peaks earlier. And of course, right. there's, you know, maybe your income will peak later, which is terrific. But mm-hmm. again, for the average person, it's around 40. And that was kind of the case, in my case, was true too. I had a big earnings peak around the age 40. Uh, and then it kind of bounced around for a while. Sometimes I went a little higher, sometimes I went a little lower. But, you know, I haven't really made substantially more than I made in my, in my early 40s. If I'd known that, I would have made very different decisions, including not buying a vacation home. So that's that's a huge perceived problem, and I think that's it's hard when you're dealing with the student debt, which I know my kids are still dealing with, and you know you're dealing with that peak, and you're sitting here going, you know, how do they retire? You know, how do they think about that? How do they change their mindset? So, Mm -hmm. and I think that the key thing that you talk about is how to take control of it. So then the second part of that is what is the real problem? What is what is the economy and business and, and things doing that is holding them back? Why are they hitting that peak at that time? Right. Well, it's it's. Um, I think there's a couple things going on, and it's it's more about us as people. So there's been um, really great research done on when our innovation potential peaks. Mm-hmm. So it, it peaks uh, again in our early 40s. What I mean by innovation potential, uh, there's research done that looked at scientists and Nobel Prize winners, but also inventors of things like mm-hmm. like things that are sold, and it was very very consistent. And for all those different cohorts, looking at thousands of people, that their performance or their likelihood to make a major invention or a significant scientific discovery occurs in your early 40s. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's becoming, it's shifting out a little bit, older and older. The, the theory is it's because there's more and more things to learn, but it's right. very much around that time. So that, you know, but what's the underlying reason for that? Well, then I ran across uh, some research that just came out a year or two ago which shows that our cognitive abilities peak around the age of 35, begin a slow decline, which also accelerates in our early 40s. Mm-hmm. So, so you, I think there's a couple of you know fundamental things going on here. And that's why we see this, I think, pattern occurring across many countries is because there's things going on with us uh, mm-hmm. that, that naturally lend towards a performance peak in your early 40s. All that being mm-hmm. said, right, I don't want people to discriminate against people like you and I who are right. a little later in our career. The data also shows that somebody who's 55 is seven times more likely to make a significant discovery or invention than someone who's 25. Even a 65-year-old is three times more likely. So part of this, too, the the societal part of this, there is a perception that the great innovators are in their 20s, and and that's not true. I mean, there are people like that. I'm not saying that they don't exist, the Zuckerbergs and those. But the reality is is the, the innovation peak is 42, and there's a very long tail to that. Mm-hmm. And so with, with that being said, mm-hmm. 
you know, with that innovation and, and people moving around, what do what's the solution right. for the millennials and things like that, that yeah. they need to what do they need to take into their own hands in order right. to, number one, prepare themselves for that peak, but also optimize that peak? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so you, you kind of we, we sort of work backwards from uh, your income peaking at around age 40. I think I think what's really going on is up to the age of 40, you see your income increase very rapidly mm -hmm. um, for most people. And, and so the wind is kind of behind your back, right? It's pushing you forward. You know, you have a lot of momentum. And when you hit 40, you're like the wind dies down and now you're rowing, right? Right. You're going forward, right? And uh, and so what that means is, you know, the, the important golden window of your career is is going up to the age of 40 and going back to Gladwell's book, in this case, Outliers. And right. he makes the case that it takes 10 years to master something, right? 10 years, right. 10,000 hours. And there's been some criticism of that because he doesn't really take into account the quality of the practice and all that. But at the same time, you know, it takes 10 years to make a partner a consulting firm. It takes 10 years to become a licensed doctor. I mean, there's right. there's some, there's some, I think some truth, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. So if you want to be, you know, peaking, you know, you want to uh, master a subject, right? And you want that to happen certainly by the age 40 and it mm -hmm. takes 10 years to do so. That means that career window between age 30 and 40 is the golden window for you to master a topic. Right, um, and so that becomes a critical, critical period in one's career that you have to stay focused. It's, it's just so important not to shift around. I I shifted focus a lot, and that was, in retrospect, a bad, <laughs> a bad yeah. idea. Right, right. Uh, Who hasn't? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I I've done probably a little more than most, but anyway. Um, and in any event, that that window of staying focused mastering a topic so by the time you hit 40 right and the wind has died down you just have momentum to keep you know sailing forward right so going back to the points that you're making kind of laying out a timeline so i'm imagining a kid coming out of college usually 25 26 by the time right. they're done right? right unless they're going for a doctorate or something or masters um could be a little bit older but basically they have five or six years to get their sea legs right? right to figure exactly. out and i think one of the key things is um there's a big difference between a um a job and your passion right and how do you how can you take that passion and turn it into because really i mean it's really hard to innovate when really all you're doing is is right. you know showing up to a desk and performing a task right, right. You need to you really need to kind of define what your passion is by age 30 ish, mm -hmm. you know, right. and then start building upon that. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. If if you can discover it. I mean, it's very right. rare, uh, you know, if you think of our own lives. Right. Right. I didn't really know anything. Well, I still don't know a lot. Right? But but certainly at the age of 30, you know, I didn't it is hard to have that level of self-awareness. Right. Right. It's just it's just very difficult to do that. And again, you're not getting coaching for it. And keep in mind, you may have jammed an MBA in that. Right. So you right. have like three years of experience and two years of school. And now you're you're faced with the most critical period in your career. Right. So, uh, you know, I think you're fortunate if you find something you like. Uh, I think what becomes uh, a little bit more of the discussion and I have this with people in that 20 to 30 in that 30 to 40 time frame is, you know, you may not be crazy about what you're doing, but the cost of switching and the risk of switching is so high. It's kind of you're kind of probably better off to figure out how to make it work. So now now we know that there's that income peak and and you have that passion. What is so we understand the solution. You you we now have a time frame that they need to think about. 
and and what needs to happen they need to basically find a course optimize themselves throughout that course till they get to 40 so when they hit that peak they're they're actually they they can almost like um trajectory themselves right. further out right? Right, right as opposed to when they hit 40 they hit their peak and then they try to discover who they are so they need to try <laughs> well, to figure out doing that, that but that's the reality i mean that's right. I mean, in a sense that's kind of what i you know i've gone through it's only been probably the last 10 years i've actually discovered mm -hmm. really discovered some of the things i'm really interested in and and uh, am, am really good at yeah let me just i want to add one other thing you know the, the sure. these things we have right these kind of smartphones that we're all using now is mm -hmm. is an, an exceptional um, uh, disruption, you know, mobile is exceptional disruption. I'll put it in this context, you know, um, your keys and clothing uh, that you have, well, your clothing comes from the Paleolithic period, prehistory, right? right? Your keys and money come from the Mesolithic period, right? Your glasses, your, your watch comes from the Middle Ages. This is the first thing in 600 years that we deem essential to have on us at all times. Right. And I think it's a little risky in, in some respects to think about, oh, this last period, is typical of what's going forward. It's really been an exceptional period, and it's highly unlikely that the people coming along now are going to face this kind of disruption. They'll be they'll be right. trying to figure out how to apply it, how to integrate it, how to exploit it. But that's another thing. I think we have to be uh, particularly younger people who have seen you know a, a once in five hundred year. Uh, uh, experience unfold, right. change unfold, to think that's going to continue forward is probably pretty unlikely. Okay, so let's go through the processes. Now, you're you're millennial, you're at your 30s. Right. What what are the things that you need to think of to optimize everything to get to your 40s and kind of right. ride that tight? Well, first of all, is to, is to think of an area of focus, right? It mm -hmm. doesn't, I mean, in, in the old days, you know, one focus would be you stay at a company, right? And that's, you know, for all practical purposes, gone, right? Unless you right. go to government. I mean, that that you can be very focused on law enforcement mm -hmm. parts of government. So there still is a, a large part of our economy, the government economy, where you kill, you still can do that, right? And, mm -hmm. and potentially get a pension if it's properly funded. So th that's part of it, right? And in, in fact, when I coach people, if you're going to government work, you actually do want to look at the finances of that state, right? Because if you're mm -hmm. making, if you're gonna make less money now, uh, and you're counting out pension, you don't want to go to a state and work in a state where that's not going to pay off for you. So right. you have you still have that as a model you can still pursue, uh, but it's not in the in the private sector. In the private sector, then it becomes, okay, where do I focus? Do I focus on um, an area, a functional area like HR, you know, marketing? Do I focus on a particular skill set? Like I want to be the best Python programmer. Mm -hmm. Do I even want to focus on geography? I know people have very success successful careers. They say, okay, I'm just going to stay in the Chicago area, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to work the local network, the local community to kind of to kind of drive my career forward. Right. Um, and then networking, you know, if you're going down these more functional paths, you know, networking is critical. Like in the old days, again, you just pretty much had a network and it was only really feasible to network within your company. You might go to a conference every once in a while, I might switch companies, but that was relatively rare. Whereas mm -hmm. today, Lunch Club that you referenced earlier, LinkedIn, uh, that the taking control, investing more in networking is, is hugely important. All right, so it's hard to believe that we are in the home stretch. So the last thing I wanna bring up is, what's in it for them if they do this what's the outcome what can they expect from this and what why do they want to do it so what's the key yeah the 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 it, you're really speaking to their status mm -hmm. right? if they become a recognized expert they're going to be they're, they're, there's huge status implications in terms of how people respond to you how people reach out to you uh mm -hmm. and 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 having higher status is generally a good thing 
right? Mm -hmm. I don't mean in an impressive way. I just meant of being respected, being part of the conversation. Uh, so there's a whole status piece to it. There's the economic side of it, right? Uh, optimizing uh, right. your career to, to maximize your wealth. Um, and then there's uh, simply, you know, kind of a functional employment piece of it, right? Which kind of intersects a bit with the financial piece. But mm -hmm. a lot of it, I, I, I think the, the primary motivation is for people to um, to want people want to be respected. They want to be included in a group. Uh, and if the group is chaotic and fluctuating, that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. But if you have status and you're included in a group, you're going to have a much, much happier life. Yeah. So what is, uh, and, and this is maybe a tough question for you to answer, but it, it's, it's always been a tough question for myself to answer is like, how do you know when you've achieved it? You know, how do you know when you've achieved status? Because, right. you know, we, we sit here and question ourselves all the time, right? Right. Right. I think I think when it happens is when, uh, in my case, the way I, when when I believe I have uh, achieved some status is when uh, somebody says to me, you know, something you said, you know, helped me had mm -hmm. a big impact. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm so grateful that something you know we talked about had an impact on you and had an impact on one of your clients, right? Yeah, it did. Uh, mm -hmm. And that that to me uh, is very rewarding. You know, other people it's going to be about money, and that's fine too. Right? Mm -hmm. and yeah, hopefully those two intersect, right? You're have high status and you're making a lot of money. But uh, I think those are those are two very, very, very important drivers. You know, yeah, no, it's it's again, you've 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 reached status, you know, with people that they want to reach out to you, which I think is huge. And uh, so that's awesome. And so if people want to get a hold of you, mm -hmm. what's the best way for them to do that? Find you on LinkedIn or what do you suggest? Yeah. yeah. And LinkedIn is, you know, I spend uh, a lot of time on LinkedIn these days. I also, I also have a Gmail address, uh, careerhacks for you at gmail.com. So if they want to email me, but usually it's easier if they just message me on, uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Awesome. Do we get the BLT made? Do you think? Uh, I think we did make the BLT. <laughs> yes. Um, so thanks Tom for coming on, dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. I appreciate you, man. Yes. Um, Thank a lot you, of good, it was fun. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon.